Blog Talk Radio. Standing, reckon the number of the beast. For it is a human. Its number is 666. <laughs> it is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. So turn off your television set. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence. I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. Well, if you want the truth, go to God. Because that's the only place you're ever going to find any real truth. Ladies and gentlemen, the Network News Hour. With the soothsayer. And here's the skeletons in the closet. Tonight, another segment of Box Populi. And starring the mad prophet of the airways, ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it. How do you feel? We're mad now, and we're not going to take this anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, the network news. Oh my goodness, God bless you everybody. How's everybody doing? This is JD, you're tuning into the Neptune Diaries. God bless you. Praise the Lord, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. God bless you everybody. How was your weekend? I hope everybody had a good weekend. I uh, There's a lot of stuff going on. It's just unbelievable what's happening on the world stage. I just... I can't help but just be excited. I can't help but just be thrilled because Jesus is coming back oh so very soon. Let's start this thing off with the prayer. Father God, oh, thank you, Lord. We just come before you today, Lord. We just worship you, Lord. We put you first in our lives, Lord. We just bend our knee to you, Lord. We just worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Today we just ask that you would bless our day, Lord. We ask that you would 
Give us the courage, the strength, the fortitude, Lord, and the desire to declare your mighty name to every single person that we come in contact with, Father God. We just pray that you would work through us, that you would speak through us, Lord. Lord, let your will be done in our lives, Lord. Let your kingdom be done here on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Forgive us our trespasses, Lord, as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, Father God, but deliver us from evil. Father God, we just come before you today in total awe. Lord, let those with ears to hear, hear, Lord. Those with eyes to see, see, Lord. Let the scales fall off their eyes. Father God, I just pray today that you would speak through me. Lord, that your word would come through my voice. Lord, that you would let me just be tapped into exactly what you want me to say, Lord. What you want those to hear to do, Father God. I just pray that you would be glorified. Lord, just pray for protection. We come against all authorities and principalities, Lord. We just take authority over them. In the name of Jesus, you have no right here. You you have no rights here in our lives and in our families' lives and in our towns and our cities and our states. We are coming with a vengeance for you in the name of Jesus. We ask, believe, and receive all these things. Hallelujah. Oh, thanks, everybody. I like to give it all up to God right away, you know. I don't want to leave anything to chance. When I was overseas in my younger days doing missionary work with, with YWAM, I was over in Papua New Guinea and we were in this little town called Kimbe on this little island off the coast. And I remember hopping in the truck. There was a ton of us, like, you know, 20 of us or whatever. And we hopped into this truck and everybody piled into the back and, I was sitting up front with the pastor, and the pastor, we were only going down the road. And I remember the pastor, every single thing that this guy did, he prayed first. And I remember, you know, I was young and stupid. I was probably 24 or whatever. And and this guy, man, he, he just prayed every time. I mean, you know, if he was going to water his lawn, he'd pray. And I remember he he prayed. He's like, Lord, just get grant us safety, protection, all that business. Just going down the road here to preach at this church and 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 grant us protection. Hallelujah. And that had such an a profound impact on me. That 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 made me see the level that I wanted to take it to. So I want to pray before everything. You know, Lord, please. You know. Give us strength, help us, guide us. Let this be for you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We ask, we believe, and receive. I mean, I'm trying to do everything different these days. You know, folks, I had a, I had a wake-up. I had a wake-up call, you know, a little over a year ago. I've been a Christian since I was a kid, since I was about 11. I'd say even before that, but I, I, I truly had that discussion with my aunt, and she told me what was up. And I remember, you know, begging and pleading with the Lord to enter my life right then and there. And, and you know, it's been very, very, very difficult ever since. You know, when I read the Bible, I tend to read the verses that are horrible and they apply to me because I'm such a fallen, rebellious, dirty, filthy sinner. 
And those really stand out to me, especially, folks, especially when I've got sin in my life, you know. And I'm a guy who, who perpetually is battling with sin in my life, whether it's smoking cigarettes or whatever. I mean, I've battled with every kind of thing you can imagine. You know, my walk has not been a clean walk, but I can tell you this. You know, and people can say whatever they want. You know, I, I don't know about anybody else. I just know about me. But the Lord has called me to basically be an open book and be able to share my stuff with everybody. You know, in the intro, you know, it's funny. There was a movie called Network a while ago. And, you know, it's a great introduction. And it's like the skeletons in the closet. And you know what? It's cool, man. If you, if you guys need to see skeletons in the closet to relate. I'm cool with that. I don't I just don't care. I know that the Lord brought me through the fires and the trials and tribulations. He helped me to consider it pure joy to go through all that stuff. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the stuff. I'm not ashamed of the drugs and the partying and the sex and the debar. I'm not ashamed of any of it. I mean I'm ashamed of it, don't get me wrong. But I've redeemed it. You understand? It's sort of like the story of the prodigal son or Jonah. It's like, here's rebellion, here's rebellion, here's rebellion. But I'm not going to stand for it. He came out the other side. You see, we all sit there and we go to church and the church today, and we all get in there and we're all squeaky clean on Sunday with an hour with each other. And we're like, woo, look at us. Hey, I'm JD. Nice to meet you. Look at me. I'm squeaky clean. I don't smell. Look, I took a shower today. And that's just junk, Right. And then we all pretend like we don't have sin in our life and we don't even talk about sin anymore. And then we all leave church and we can't wait to get out of there. We're looking at our watches and we can't wait to go home and watch a football game. And folks, I was that guy for a long time. You know, and I always have been a, been a tortured Christian is what I call it, you know. See, I went I went into Alcoholics Anonymous a while ago and I went through the program or whatever. And, you know, I still have friends there and I still go and whatnot. Uh but I learned some things there, and, and there's there's a power there, right? There's a power in AA, and anyone who's actually gone there and tried it out and, and, and you know, did what they tell you to do there, they know that these people have a, that there is a power there. And here's the power, ready? Here's the power. They all pray. They all confess their worst, most despicable things with each other. And then they pray with each other. They do it every time. It, and, you know, it's interesting because you, you, you can see miracles in Alcoholics Anonymous and in these 12-step recovery rooms. It's because they, they, they live their life a certain way, those people who are actually having success in it. But, see, they get in there and they flout God and they basically give you the where they go astray is where they say you can create your own God. So, in a sense, you're a God creator. So that's kind of weird for me. Uh but, you know, you can learn a lot of things. The church needs to learn a lot of things from these programs. And, and, and specifically, specifically to confess our sins to each other and pray with each other so that we will be healed. That's so important, and that's the thing that we're lacking. You want to know why there's no power in the church today? or You, you want to know why everybody's having such a hard time and why we're just getting steamrolled by the devil and by all these insane groups and just the, the demons are out in force. There's a lot of reasons for that, but one primary re reason for this is because the church has literally done exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden, and they gave their authority away. 
One of the things that we, we don't do, which is found in James chapter 5, right? At verse 13, it says, Is any among you afflicted? Can anyone say that they're afflicted? I can raise my hand and say I'm afflicted. Let him pray. Are you praying? Ready? Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Are you? Let me ask you this, folks. When you're in a good mood or when you're in a good spot or when you've been blessed, are you singing songs or are you bebopping around to Beyonce or Jay-Z? Ask yourself that question. What kind of words are you pouring over yourself? Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Let me ask you, anybody out there listening... When was the last time you had the elders of the church come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord? Honest to goodness. Pastors, are you doing this? Are you running around with your el- the elders of your church? Are you running around with the elders of your church praying for the sick people in the name of the Lord, anointing them with oil? And everybody check this out. James chapter 5, verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Ready? This is the one that I just love, and the Lord is so totally impressed upon my heart. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for another that ye may be healed. Let me ask you a question, everybody. When was the last time you confessed your faults to somebody? When was the last time you sat down and you just had like an open and honest conversation with a brother or sister in the faith and were like, hey, guess what? I struggle with this. This is one of my struggles. This is one of my faults. I'm confessing it to you. And then here's here's what this says. Confess your faults one to another, i.e., there's a quid pro quo here, Right? You confess your sins to me, I confess my sins to you. And then what? And we pray for one for another that ye may be healed. Check it out. It's so easy, yet it's so difficult, right? Because pride gets in the way and all this junk and our flesh just hates God and wants to pop up and jump in there and get in the middle. But ready? Let's do it again. James chapter 5. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Okay, so this is in fact what they do in these 12-step programs, right? They go in for these meetings and generally here's how it works. And honest folks, this is exactly where we're losing the power. We go to church on Sundays and we have one guy up there who speaks for however long, 35 minutes. He gives his spiel like he's got the the hotline to God, right? He's got the bat phone to God, right? And we're all using him, just like the Catholics do. We're putting that guy in charge of our relationship with God, like he's our go-between. Folks, folks, people, brothers and sisters, that is so bogus and so wrong. I'm not saying don't go to church and don't listen to a sermon, but if you're surrendering it up, and you're not searching and pouring over the scriptures yourself, and you're letting this preacher man get up there and do his thing. I got to tell you, these guys are human. They're struggling with stuff just like you and me. 
There's research out there. There's polls. There's surveys. There's all sorts of stuff where pastors have said that they are struggling with all sorts of stuff just like you and me. Addictions, pornography, whatever. You think that they're superhuman? No. Matter of fact, they're under the gun more so than you or I would ever be because they're out there trying to lead a flock. So what better way to get the flock to go astray than to screw up the shepherd? Do you see... Are you putting your pastor up there in in the middle between you and God? Because only Jesus is supposed to be there. Are you out there actively confessing your faults one to another so that you can pray with each other and be healed? See, this is a problem. This is a problem. See, Jesus and and his little merry band of disciples, they went around. And Do you think that it was just Jesus talking all the time, or do you think everybody talked? I would venture to say that Jesus talked quite a bit, but then other people shared as well. And that's what's missing in the church. See, you go to church, and you don't know hardly anybody in there. You click it up, you you, you separate yourselves, you go into your little things, and you segregate. You introduce yourselves a few times here and there. But imagine if church was run like this. It wasn't on Sundays. I mean, it was on Sundays, but you, it wasn't just on Sundays. You had church every single night. Matter of fact, those churches were open 24 hours a day. I'm going to tell you all a little secret. There's a room here in Miami, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting house. It's a cl- They call it a clubhouse. And you know what? Seven days a week, 365 days a year, they have a meeting at 7 o'clock a.m., 9 o'clock a.m., 10.30 a.m., Noon, 5.30 p.m., 7 o'clock p.m., and 10 o'clock p.m. Monday through Monday through Monday through Monday. Do you understand? They're open every day with meetings. And you know what? There's at least 20, 30, 40 people at every single meeting. I mean, maybe sometimes there's less than 20. But every single meeting, 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., noon, 5.30, 5.30, and 10 o'clock p.m., they have meetings, and there are people there. Do you understand? It's open all the time for healing. Is the church open all the time for healing? Is it? Come on, is it? And it's not. See, it's not. It's just not. And we, we should literally pull a page out of this book and run with it and have our churches meeting all the time, all the time, where we can go in and share with each other and pray with each other, not once a week, because we don't even do that. Oh, well, we have a home group. Oh, do you? Do you? Is it seven? Do you go to a home group seven nights a week or five nights a week? Are you doing church 24? See, church, church isn't a building. Church isn't just us. Church is not only the body of Christ. It's the meeting. It's the time. It's the fellowship of it all. We're not doing that in honesty. We're not doing that all the time. So anyway, folks, we have to change things. And I'm gonna I'm gonna actually do some writing on this. I'm gonna make this very clear and what we're missing out on and where the power is. Where the power is and where and where we're missing out. You know, one of the steps that we've missed, and people say, oh, well, Christianity and Jesus isn't, there aren't steps. Yes, there are. And shut your mouth and go read the Bible. 
right? Because you don't know. If you're sitting there saying stupid things like there aren't steps and there isn't a process, and there, a matter of fact, there is a sanctification process laid out in the Psalms that is so clear that if you go through this process, you're going to be washed white. I mean, it, go read Psalm 51. There's a process. And what we do as Christians is we get in there and, and we just flounder. We, we learn the cliff notes, we get the cliff notes, and that's it. We get the cliff notes and that's it. It's ridiculous. There are things wrong. There, is, there are things we're missing. And see, we're so entertained by this world. We're so entertained by this world. It's so sad. We get so distracted so easily. I know that I do, and I know that if I don't... Okay. I have had an experience in the last year that is absolute over a year now where I have read the Psalms and the Proverbs. Not all. I read five Psalms and one proverb every day. And I get up in the morning and I spend, I literally, I'm not kidding. I spend a few hours, if not two to three hours every morning. And it's like a blink. I don't even notice it anymore. And it used to be, oh man, it was a drag in the beginning and my flesh fought. But I have to tell you, I get up now, I am so ready, raring to go, you know? I am garbage in, garbage out. And I've realized that all all I've done in my whole life is shoved garbage down my, my throat, through my eyes. I've just literally filled my entire being with garbage from sports to to hobbies to girlfriends to money to I mean every single thing if it's not pointing towards Jesus it's a distraction think about that it's a distraction it's mind blowing when you really think about it you know it's absolutely mind blowing another thing that I've done folks for the first time is I've read the bible cover to cover right so Instead of looking at it piecemeal and trying to figure it all out, uh, I read it from Genesis to Revelation. And, boy, if you haven't done that, I recommend that highly. Read it cover to cover. And what you understand is, this is the story of your life. The Bible is, in fact, it's not just the story of the Jews. It's the story of you and your life. And if you look at that, if you read that book cover to cover, you'll see there's a pattern that emerges. There's a very clear pattern. It's very much like AA. If you read the whole thing, you'll realize that there's a pattern and and, and you've been screwed up. And we as human beings have been screwed up by this this pattern. It's, It's God loves us. We accept his love, we rebel, we tell him thanks for your stuff, we want the stuff, but we don't want you, now beat it, and then he judges us, and then we come crawling back, and it happens over and over and over again. It happens to say, you know, it was shocking to me to see how it happened in my life, to see how it absolutely just flipped over into my exact life these patterns that the Jews have followed. 
I have times of blessing and I, it goes to my head and, and then, you know, suddenly I'm distracted and it happens. You know, he is crafty. The reason why the Bible describes Lucifer and the devil and his little horde of pigs is as subtle is because he's subtle, folks. You just open the lid and peek in and the next thing you know, you're sucked in lock, stock and barrel. Whether it's pornography or whether it's cigarettes or whatever it may be, as little as the sin may be in your mind or as big as it may be, you get sucked in. And the next thing you know, you're, you, when was the last time you talked to God? See, I was the kind of Christian that I knew. I knew. I knew all the. I knew all the bells and whistles. I had it down pat. I had the cliff notes. I knew. I knew those. You know those firebrand verses or those ones that could back people off who were pushing a little too close into my stuff. You know, starting to get into my garden and trying to wipe the speck out of my eye. You know. I was good at backing those people off, but you know what? My relationship with the Lord didn't even exist. I mean, it ha- it always has existed, but it was a one-way relationship, and that was the Lord to me, right? And I was on the run. And somewhere along the line in this just this last little bit, this last little stretch of my life, the Lord clearly showed me, you know, I had... I, they're not visions as much as they are mental pictures, right? So I know that people like Paul McGuire and whatever people out there want to talk about the differences between visions, and I suppose there are. I mean, I, I can honestly tell you that, you know, I've never been caught up into the presence of of God that I believe. I, I definitely believe these are just, you know, little mind pictures that he paints in my brain. Um, but one of them was clearly... I I was standing before God, suddenly standing before God. And I'll tell you, I know it wasn't a vision because I didn't fall to my knees. I wasn't struck with awe, so I know that it was just a mind picture. But I said, you know what I was? I was standing there guilty, right? I was standing there with my head hung in shame. And the Lord looked at me, and and I don't remember, it wasn't, you know, like I said, it was just a mind picture, and in my mind it was just like, I see God on the throne, and it's just like light. And he said, what are you going to say when you stand before me, you know? You're going to give an account. And it was so matter-of-fact, it was so unquestionable, there was no, you know, don't you know this? Don't you understand? It was... You do understand, and and why aren't you taking this seriously? You know, and moreover, it was not only are you going to stand before me and give an account of every jot and tittle, every breath, every word, every thought, every deed, but so is everybody else, and you know this, and why aren't you telling them? And I sat there just with my head hung in shame, you know, I know. And then he, you know, it was interesting because he's like, have you even read the Bible? You know, like, what are you going to see? You don't even know. And like I said, I knew, I knew, I knew enough about the Bible and I'd read it here and there, but I really didn't read the Old Testament. I really wasn't into that. I'd read the key verses about the Antichrist and all that business, but just wasn't, whatever, it didn't captivate me. I, I was lazy. I'm the, I'm the cheap, easy way out. You know, I, I want to. I don't want to work. I want it for free. 
That's just that's just my nature, a fallen nature. My my flesh is, you know, lazy and and slothful, and I have to work to overcome that. Just like the Bible says, my spirit has to tame my flesh, and that's what I'm working at now. I'm not playing games. I I can tell you that it's been a lonely road. I went from being a pretty popular guy to once I stopped fellowshipping with demons once I stopped fornicating with demons figuratively you know then I wouldn't participate in the in worldly things anymore suddenly nobody wanted to even Christ funny enough even Christian people have told me you know lay off easy does it buddy you know slow down stuff like that it's ridiculous to me slow down I've been stuck in neutral in in the mud my whole Christian walk. I finally have a breath of fresh air once I put God in the driver's seat. And now I'm hauling along and people are telling me to slow down. I just, and you know what? I honestly had to just shut it all down. I had to, I had to silence those voices and I just can't even, I can't even tolerate it. At all, because you know what? I want nothing but God. I want Jesus, Jesus, and more Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. All the time. I want to think about it. I want to tie everything into it. I want to piece the puzzle together. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't, I'm don't. i so tired of this world. See, I live in South Beach, everybody. I live in, in modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. I live right... And I actually live in the very center of it. You know, I get to see... Ferraris and Lamborghinis and success and all that and sex and, you know, TNA and, and boobs and you name it and just utter debauchery. Yesterday I went to the beach and on my way there I realized, oh my goodness, it's Gay Pride Weekend. And you know what? It was so crazy. We I rolled up and, and was I lived a couple blocks from the beach and I, as I got there to the beach, we have Ocean Drive here and it was closed off and it was the gay pride parade. And I have to tell you, everybody, there was hundreds of, I mean, I don't know if there was hundreds of thousands of people, but there were hundreds of thousands of people, it felt like. And what was mind-boggling was the families. There were families with really young children, you know, babies and little toddlers you know, at the gates of the of the parade, flying rainbow flags, while men, you know, in transition, transgendering, and women in transition, are are going down the street, scantily clad and humping each other in debauchery, and just it was just so crazy. And I remember just looking at this little kid waving a flag, and his parents sitting there like, yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, it's over. And I pray, I sat there and I was like, Lord, what do we do? What do I do right now? What do I do right now? And you know what? Honestly, I I just, I didn't hear anything outside of it. This is over. And I realized something, that the, the, the window's closing, let me ask you a question. What do you think would have happened if I'd have got a sandwich board and sat there at the gay parade yesterday? I would have been spit on. Here's what the Lord said to me. Ready? 
or whether he said it to me or he showed it to me or he gave me a mental picture or whatever, but here's here's what it was. I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I'm not above going to get a sandwich board. I'm happy to do that. If the Lord ever clearly tells me, like, dude, go get a sandwich board, get out there and scream until your voice is shot, I would do it. Like, I don't really care, you know? I'm not trying to save my reputation. Listen, my reput- I've already burned my reputation. You know, I've done everything under the sun and everyone knows, so whatever, you know. I'm a despicable, disgusting, formerly, but now I'm redeemed, see. Woo! I'm redeemed, praise the Lord. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. I'm redeemed now. So, anyway, uh, Lord, you want me to get a sandwich board? And he showed me, you know, a, a mental picture of me with a sandwich board literally getting beaten and spit upon and all that. And you know what I heard? I've already done that. Go on your way. I've already been through that. You don't have to do that. And I thought, wow. And you know what? It made me start to rethink how I need to conduct my affairs in these last days. And what the Lord has showed me really clearly is that people who have ears to hear don't argue. They certainly don't come upon you and spit on you and yell at you and scream at you. And, you know, as Christians, I'm telling you right now, we are not called to have to. I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but I do not believe that with the time frame that we are looking at, in the times that we are living in, I honestly believe that our evangelical call is on a peer-to-peer, one-on-one relationship level, i.e., whoever you come in contact with on your daily basis, that's your mission field. That's your mission field. If you have the occasion to look into their eye and speak words to them, that's your mission field. I'm not saying don't go out and street preach. I'm not saying that at all. But I certainly am saying that we need to be wise and pick our battles. And unless the Lord calls you to go straight up and do that, I don't. I don't I'm not. I'm not there yet with with whatever that means. I'm not there. Uh, I believe that when I come in contact, here's how I roll. When I come in contact with people, I literally have incorporated into my introduction, i.e., hey, how are you? God bless you. How's everything going? I I throw God right out there immediately. I bring him into everything. People ask me how I'm doing. Unless I'm caught off guard and I have like a moment, it's I'm, I'm blessed. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's good. How are you? God bless you. Uh, I'm, I'm at that point. Um, and I don't know if it's the city that I'm living in or, or that I'm literally behind enemy lines. I have often asked God, why am I here? And what I get back is you're here, you're you're there to pray. Because I honestly don't believe that God has given up on the cities of America. I don't believe that he's given up on her people. I don't believe he's given up on, I think salvation's for everyone. But what I also do very much believe is that we are a nation that's turned itself. And I believe that it's a nation that's been given over now. And I believe that once God has given you over, I don't know that there's reclamation from that. 
I don't know that there's reclamation from that. You know, in the title of the program, actually, you know what? I'm going to take a break, everybody. I'm going to I'm going to take a break. I've just babbled on and rock and rolled for for a half an hour, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take a break for a few minutes, and I'll be right back. God bless you. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. V. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to the Neptune Diaries. This is J.D. and J.D. Hopwood. I'm your host of the Neptune Diaries. Why am I here, everybody? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? What's going on? Who is this guy, J.D. Hopwood? All I can tell you, I'm just a nobody. Just a little guy here saved by Jesus who's out there and realizes that I got nothing to do but preach the good news. That's it. I got nothing to do. Are you kidding me? What do I have to do besides do this? What's more important than telling everybody about Jesus and what he came to do for us? Let me ask you this. Is it more important that I should go and 
spend my time trying to get some stuff, trying to have a nice nest that I can live in, a nice little place. What am, am I supposed to dedicate? On? Let me let me tell you folks one thing about stuff. Stuff is stuff. It comes and goes. People can steal it. It can break. You get bored of it. You get sick of it. Stuff is nothing. What am I supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Let me ask you this. When you stand before God, what's he going to say to you? What are you going to say to him? How are you going to give an account? I mean, what's your account going to be? Do you realize that at every second of every day, your hand is moving and writing your story? What story are you writing? Is it a story of the majority of the pages of your book are going to be filled with exploits of worldly conquers or worldly conquests? Are you going to, is your book going to be filled like mine has been with debauchery and just 90% sin and, 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 you know, just the latter half is going to be about God or God willing the latter half? I mean, what's it going to be? Is your story the prodigal son? Are you ever going to stop being the prodigal son? Are you going to be Jonah and ever get out of the belly of the whale? Are you going to have a ass to get out of the belly of the whale? I mean, what's your story going to be? Did you do anything for God? And listen, people want to get into this big grace debate with me all the time. I'm not down with that. Okay, you can just turn the radio off. You can turn it off right now if, if you're, you know, all into that. Because Jesus talked about works all the time, you know. I'm I'm with everybody on the grace train that we can't earn our way into heaven. But where I depart ways with these people is that I, I do not believe that God wants us to be wealthy you know, beyond measure and be all screwed up with money. I do not believe that at all, okay? I am one of these guys that understands fully what the, what what money is and what the pursuit of all that stuff is. I'm also a guy that understands fully what the Psalms say and what the Bible says about wealth and riches and all that stuff, okay? I also know, and I'm a guy that understands that Proverbs 30 says, verse 8, remove far from me vanity and lies. This is my favorite part. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? See, if you're full, you might say, who is the Lord? And if you're too poor, you might steal and take the name of your God in vain. Are you praying that? Are you praying for the Lord that he removes far from you vanity and lies and that he gives you neither poverty nor riches? See, I don't want to get caught up. I've, I've already been caught up. I've spent a lot of my time chasing after worldly stuff. Spent so much time chasing after worldly stuff, you know? And and that's not my story. You know, in the background of my whole life has always been Jesus. And it's always been that nagging feeling that, that I am on the wrong path. But I'm not on that wrong path anymore. 
I'm not on that wrong path anymore. I do not care. There is not enough time in the day for me to spend my time listening to worldly music or watching worldly TV or watching worldly sports or participating in worldly things. There's not enough time, especially not now. You know, there's never been enough time for that. And I've known that my whole life, but see, I'm stubborn. I'm rebellious. And this world is alluring, and they make it look so awesome. But it's just nasty. It's just nasty out there. Take it from me. The desire, your fleshly desires, if you tap into that, it will screw you up so fast and get you off track. It got me off track for decades. Do you understand? Decades. The Lord put a calling on my life when I was very young, and I've just been running off and on. I'd have times when I'd turn around, I'd go back. But I have to tell you, on this side, you know, there are still things that the Lord is rooting out of my life, but they, on this side, woo! Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Get busy living for Jesus. Get busy living for Jesus. Tell everyone. Can I ask everybody a question? Because I think about this. Are you praying for your family? Are you? Are you, And I don't mean, are you praying? You know, are you throwing up the old half-court blooper shots? You know, oh, Lord, pray for my family. Are you praying for your family? Are you praying for your friends? Let me ask you this. When we all get to heaven, or wherever, you know, those separating of the sheep and the goats is going to take place, when we get to that point, when we're standing at that point, when Jesus goes, and he separates us, sheep and goats, I want you to think, in that moment, Understand, I want to paint a visual picture for you. Imagine everybody standing in a big, giant stadium. And we're all there. And we're all milling about. And everyone you know, every single person you've ever looked into their eyes or ever had contact with, you're going to see them for a minute. And then Jesus is going to come out. And everyone's going to go quiet. And we're all going to bend our knees. We're all going to say, Jesus is Lord, right? And then I want you to think in that moment when he says, my lamb's on my right and my the goat's on my left. I want you to think in that moment of every person that you've ever known, all your loved ones, every girlfriend, every friend, every person. And I want you to feel their eyes and look into their faces as the Lord separates the sheep from the goats because you're not going to have any control. You're going to be moved like a chess piece. And he's literally going to go... And I want you to think of the eyes of those people who are going to the goat side when they realize the horror... of what just happened and that they are reserved for judgment. And I want you to think, is there, was there an occasion for you to share with them? Is that going to be one of your regrets? You know, are you doing enough? 
do you not really fully understand? You might say, oh, well, I have stuff to do, man. I got, I got things to do. I got softball practice. My kids got soccer. I've got a business meeting. Those are temporary things. Eternities forever. Are you praying? Are you taking this seriously? How about just in your own life? Are you taking this seriously in your own life? What about your salvation? You sure? Now let me ask you this. A lot of you out there just said, yeah, I'm sure. I know, I heard it. I'm sure. Are you sure you're sure? (laughs) Are you sure you're sure? And listen, if you've got Jesus, we're going. But are you doing enough for all those other people? Are you preaching the gospel? Is every word that comes out of your mouth for Jesus? That's what I'm striving to be. I'm striving for every word, every deed, everything that comes out of my mouth on a daily basis to be filled with righteousness and to be of the Lord. You know, if you look at Jesus' life, he always, like, used scripture. I want to be that guy when people say stuff to me. I can just immediately have scripture on my tongue and answer them with God's words and not mine because my words are full of junk, you know? I love Jesus. I love God. I love what he's doing in my life. I love what he's doing just virtually in the by what he's doing in my life and the people's lives that are around me that see what he's doing in my life. See, there's no there's no way that people who haven't who are who are in my life and in my circle of influence they have all seen something happen. And I'm not, listen, I did not go on a quest necessarily to to root out sin in my life in the beginning, right? It just started to happen by virtue of the fact that I started pouring the word of God into my into my brain. I started to, and you know what? There's not enough time and there's not enough room in your brain and in your, in your flesh and in your spirit for you to start putting in the things of God. God just takes over. The things of God just start to take over and everything else just gets pushed to the wayside. You know, talk about fanaticism. That when God gets a hold of you, it is. It it's a it literally is. It's a born again thing. It's a it's a transformation. Is it happening in your life? Are you letting the Lord transform you? Here's the truth. The Lord will take you where he wants you to be as fast as you'll let him. Are you Letting him. Folks, brothers and sisters, things are happening. Go watch Jason A's video. His new video today. Go to YouTube and type in Jason A. Jason space A. Jason A. And type in his new video. There's one little clip in there where there's a there's something that happens, man, like a UFO or some kind of crazy thing. And I'm telling you, things are not as they seem. Nobody knows, not me, not anybody, not Michael around the world or Steve Quayle or anybody. Nobody knows for sure. We all have an idea, but nobody knows for sure. And I can tell you this. Go look at Quayle. Go look at at Michael from around the world. Go look at Begley. Take everything. Take everything that you can. Learn everything. Go listen to the Hagmans, Paul McGuire. Go listen to all these people. Read have a voracious appetite for knowledge of the things of God. Forget about the knowledge of the things of this world. It's all temporary. It's all junk. It's all rubbish. 
It's all going to get burned up. Go get into the things of the Lord. Listen, when you start, when if you go listen to Steve Quayle for five minutes and you and you understand some of the things that he's talking about, woo, we're in exciting times. Go read some Tom Horn or some Chris Putnam. Go go read some of these guys. Go read T. W. Tram. Open your eyes, honestly, folks. We live in the matrix. There, it really is a matrix we live in. It, no joke. It's a matrix, and we are we do not see what's going on. We are blinded. We cannot see behind the scenes and what's happening. And I can tell you, it is unbelievable. I can tell you a few things that are going to be upon us before we know it. They're going to poison our money. They're going to poison our money. They're going to taint our money so that nobody will want to touch it. Right? They're going to put some kind of disease on our money so that we will not want to handle money anymore. Imagine that. Ebola can live for 17 days on a paper dollar. So just imagine... When the money doesn't, they won't, nobody wants to use money anymore. How fast are they going to be able to be like, here you go. Here's 666, baby. Eat it. They're going to poison our money. They're going to do some kind of massive identity fraud. Then they're going to, every, and you know what? Listen, everyone's going to cry for this, and then they're going to implement a mandatory mark somehow, some way. Like it or not, we're there. And you'll see people want to say, oh, well, you know, they want to live in denial or whatever it is that they want to live in. The bottom line is this. It's coming. Terrible things are here. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you saved? Are you a child of the living God? Here's the trick. You'll know if you are. And if you're terrified right now, you're you're on the verge. Accept him. Get on your knees this moment and beg out to the Lord. Beg him. Lord, forgive me. Hallelujah. Thank you. Accept his forgiveness. Say with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Say with, confess with your mouth that he's the Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Repent. Go on your way. Right. Ask the Lord, and if you're a Christian out there, and you're struggling, and you're in the belly of the whale, or you're on the run, like the prodigal son, turn around. Go home. Take the journey back. There's a journey. When, God, when you ask God to let you out of the mouth of the whale, there's a journey. Till you get to Nineveh. Go on the journey. You know, and on that journey, pour the word of God over your life. Listen, there's a, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible, and I should know it off the top of my heart, but you know what? I haven't bothered to re- to memorize it. But it says, you know, rightly divide the word of God. It's in Timothy somewhere. And if you take the Bible and you go down the middle, and you open it up to the middle, now granted you might have like an appendix in the back that's taking up a bunch of pages or whatever, but go to the middle of your Bible and how they set the Bible up and ask yourself, who set the Bible up this way and why? And, and if you believe that God set the Bible up and God's the author of Scripture and all that, well, there's a reason why Psalms and Proverbs are in the middle. It would stand to reason that the Psalms and Proverbs would like get stuck in there in the middle where David was, wouldn't it? 
but they, but it but it's right in the middle. Why? And I I honestly can tell you that it's for me it's my daily manna. I get up and I do this five psalms and one proverb every day. You'll get through all of it in a month. And I just do it over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. I have to tell you, my relationship with the Lord is growing exponentially. It's phenomenal. You know, I'm in love with the Lord again. I'm terrified of the Lord. I have a fear of the Lord. I'm working on my salvation with fear and trembling. I mean, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. I'm on fire for the Lord. I love Jesus. I love him. I love the Holy Spirit. I want more. And I want to tell everybody. And you know what? It's repulsive to most. You know, the the world hates Jesus. They hate him. They've made they've turned his name into a curse word. Think about that. Think about all the the swear words that involve God. Right? Oh my God. Holy poop. What does Holiness and fecal matter have to do with each other. It's a direct assault on the Holy Spirit. Ready? Uh, Jesus Christ! Right? That's a full-tilled curse word. They've turned the Savior of the world, his name, into a curse word. Don't you see the irony in that? And you can say, oh, coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. That's craziness. Think about the assault. Think about this. Why is there only an assault on Christianity right now in the world? Why? Not on anything else. Matter of fact, nothing else. Everything, nothing makes sense anymore. The world's gone haywire, just like Jesus said it would. Just like the Bible said it would. Over and over again. But here's the difference between then and now. We're at this culmination because Israel's a nation state again. Whoa! Did you hear that? Israel is a nation state again. Never before has that happened. We can all sit there and say, oh, well, they've been saying Jesus will come back since the beginning of whatever for 2,000 years. And you know what? That's true. They have been saying that. But none of the things that Jesus said needed to happen have happened until now. We're there, guys, girls. We're there. We're at that point. You know, I spend all of my time researching the things of God now. That's all I do. I spend all of my time researching the things of God. And my research is, is far and wide. And I can t- I'm going to give you a couple of highlights of some of the things that have See, I'm a guy who has faith. I didn't really need faith because I had it. I had the gift of faith already. But but I like when it's proven. I like when the Lord shows me proofs. It's fun because then I get to throw them in people's faces and say, see, look, one of my favorite things is the Bible code. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Bible code, but a while back, I don't know, it feels like forever ago, but Certainly somewhere in the 90s, this guy named Michael Drosnan wrote a book. He was a, It was a New York Times bestseller, and it was called The Bible Code. And long story short, this, this Jewish rabbi called Eliyahu Rips, he's one of the smartest guys in the world, invented this. He took a he made a computer program that that measured these algorithms and and basically the long and short of it is this: 
he searched the Bible for equal, what they call equidistant letters that made that that were words. And if you want to go find out more, because I'm going to slaughter it right now, but there's an absolute process and scientific method to it in the whole nine yards. But basically, the Bible has codes, and it throws up these jumbles, these these big giant matrices that once you put in an access code like Antichrist or whatever, it'll bring up all the places where the Bible, in an equidistant letter space, right? So every 50 letters, there might be a letter, you know, every 50 letters, there it might make a word, right? Every 50th letter might say Antichrist or whatever it may be. And then they throw up these matrices of the Bible all around it, and it'll just blow your mind. I mean, it is... You know what? It's so mind-blowing that it, it, it your your brain won't grab the magnitude of it. It's almost as if, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, right. But go watch this guy on YouTube. His name is Matthew Wright. And he's got a station, a YouTube channel called Code Searcher. Dot net. You have to spell the whole thing out. C O D E S E A R C H E R D O T N E T. Code Searcher. Dot net. And I'll tell you, uh, he doesn't make enough videos for me. I, I I would watch videos all the time, and he tries to be very careful about his research and all that. But I wouldn't roll like that. I would throw everything out there, and everybody can make their own conclusions. It's not for me. His gifting is to get the information out there, not try and interpret it up for us. So Matt, if you're listening, you know your gift is to get it out there, not to interpret. You know necessarily to interpret. That's for us to interpret all of us unto our own, just like the Bible. So don't hold it back, Matt. Put it out there. You know, let us go search, find these things, put it out, and let us go go look at it for ourselves too. You're not the arbiter of this truth necessarily. So. Anyway, I love him, and I love his codes, and I love the code-searching stuff. It's it's fascinating to me. And then another thing that blows my mind is the fact that if you go back through history and you look at Israel, since its inception, since the Balfour Agreement, you know, 100 years ago, if you go back and you look, ever since then, every time somebody messed with Israel or the, or the coming of Israel or after its inception in 48, uh Within 24 hours, God sends some kind of calamity to people who screw around with Israel. And that is just, you know, unbelievable proof. Unbelievable proof. You know, it's just absolutely mind-boggling to me, this stuff. You know? Another thing that was totally mind-boggling to me was the work by that guy Flynn. You know? What was his name? Mark Flynn. That was David Flynn. I'm sorry. David Flynn. The temple at the center of time in the Sidonia Chronicles. Get that at Quail's website too. But that guy David Flynn, he the Lord showed him some stuff and was and said, Listen, Israel and Jerusalem specifically is at the center of everything in the temple. And then he took these line measurements and just tied it in to dates. And, you know, for example, London is 1,948 miles or 
kilometers or whatever it may be from Jerusalem. Israel became a nation state in 1948 because of of England, because of London. I mean, listen, from the center of Jerusalem where the temple was to Mecca, where the Kabbalah stone, we're not the Kabbalah stone, but that Kaaba stone or whatever it is in, in, in Mecca, it's 666 kilometers or miles. But just all this mind, mind-blowing stuff. Then you throw in Tom Horn and Chris Putnam stuff where they go through an exo-Vaticana that the Catholic Church is way into aliens, everybody. Did you know that? Catholic Church is way into aliens. Think about that. The Catholic Church is way into aliens. I mean, think about that. You know, my reading list is is filled. I'm, I'm going to go through it right now. You know, the Book of Enoch. Have you read that, everybody? You should. Exo Vaticana. Have you read that by Tom Horn and Chris Putnam? You should. How about The Season of Return by T.W. Tram? Have you read that? You should. How about From Abraham to Armageddon by T.W. Tram? Have you read that? You should. Ready? Joel Richardson's Mideast Beast, Islamic Antichrist. Have you read those? You should. The Coming Days of Awe, Labyrinth by Mark Flynn. Have you read any Terry James? How about... How about any Steve Quayle? Have you read True Legends or Angel Wars or Xenogenesis? You should. How about John Price's book, The End of America? Have you read that? You should. How about John McTiernan's The uh, As America Has Done to Israel? Have you read that? You should. How about The Final Babylon? You should. Zenith 2016 by Tom Horn? You should. Do you understand what I'm saying to you folks? Do you understand? Are are you reading books? Are you are you educating yourself of the things of the Lord or are you educating yourself filling yourself with nonsense with television and things? Now I'm not judging you. I did it forever. I you know, TV just captured me. Watch a kid get plopped in front of a TV and watch him just go and just get sucked right in. It's 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 that movie Poltergeist with that little girl sitting in front of the TV, that imagery is just phenomenal because that's it. I have 14 nieces and nephews and they all get sucked right in. You know what I do too? If I turn that thing on, it's like, come to me, listen to me. It's insane. It's insane. God bless you. I'll be right back. This is the Neptune Diary. I don't things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. 
They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change. How many stations does this You've go out? You've got to get mad. You've got to say, I know it goes to Louisville and Atlanta. Oh, they're going to take this anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get up out of your chair, open the window, stick your head out and yell, and say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Yeah, isn't it amazing how a man can find himself alone? Calling through the darkness for an answer that he's never known. Yeah, isn't it amazing how God can take a broken man? Yeah, let him find a fortune, let him ruin it with his own few hands. And he climbs on up the hill, on the rock on which he stands. He looks back at the crowd, he looks down at his hands and he says, I am a difference maker. Oh, I am a difference maker. Oh, Walking up the hill, 
the rock on which he stands. He looks back at the crowd. He looks down at his hands and he says, I am the difference maker. Thing I've seen and I have felt the fire Get put out by too much gasoline We're all strangers passing through A place in time, an afternoon Life is but a vision in a window That we're peeking through Helpless conversation with a man Who says he cares a lot of massive confrontation About who might throw a punch or not We are all transgressors We're all sinners we're all astronauts, so if you're beating death, then raise your hands, but shut up if you're not. Cause I am the difference maker, oh I am the only one who speaks to him. I am the friendliest of friends of God. I 
Everybody, welcome back. Neptune Diaries. This is JD Hopwood. God bless you all. God bless y'all, everybody. I hope that you're on fire for Jesus. I hope that you're taking account of every day that you're living, every breath that you're breathing, every word that you're speaking. Get on board, everybody. The time is short. The time for being lukewarm has long, long since passed. If you're not fellowshipping with God, then you're fellowshipping with the devil. And that's just the way it is. If you're not for God, you're against him. If you're not on page with Jesus Christ, if you're not covered under the blood, if you are not confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you're not confessing with your mouth that he is the Lord and believing in your heart that the Lord has raised him from the dead and that he died for your sins, you are missing out. Not only are you missing out on this side, you're missing out on the other side. Father God, we come before you today, Lord. We just praise your holy name. We just give you all the glory, Lord. Thank you for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. Let your will be done in our lives, Father God. We just give you the glory. Let every waking moment, let every waking moment of our lives be dedicated to the pursuit and the proclamation of the good news. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We ask, believe, and receive these things all in your name. Woo! Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Guys, girls, ladies and gentlemen, I am here to tell you that he is coming soon. He's coming soon. Are you excited? I am seriously off the hook excited for this. I am off the hook excited. I, can, I You know what? This is this is how I feel. I feel like a kid who I've been going to the movies and I and I've been seeing previews of this amazing movie that I cannot wait to see. I cannot wait to see it. And yet I have to wait and they just keep telling me and it's been years and decades of seeing the previews for this blockbuster movie. And you know what? It's about to hit theaters. Are you all excited? I know there's a verse in the Bible that's like, are you crazy for wanting the day of the Lord to come? And you know what? I'm, I'm, I must be crazy. Uh, how will it benefit me? You know, I get it. I understand. But believe me, I have a heart that none should perish. But at the same time, I have a heart to go home. 
I have a heart to be with the Lord. I cannot wait to see Jesus face to face. I'm terrified of that moment because I know that I could have done more and I know that I could be doing more to glorify his kingdom. I know that my record, uh, my track record is horrible. But I also know that I've substituted my track record for his. Praise the Lord. And you can too. And well, but what I do know is this: I am compelled, man. I want to. I want. I want the world to know what I know. I want them all to know and have a chance, you know. And I, I don't want any to perish, especially, you know, those of my loved ones and those around me who are stubborn and refuse to see the light or, or just don't, you know, whatever. But, but I can tell you that, you know, I'm looking outside and those, you know, it's it's summer, man. It's the leaves are here. Things are about to just rip loose, you know. Fruits on the tree. I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of what's coming, right? I'm 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 fully em- embracing what's coming. You know, I see all these people, I hear all these people talk and they're prepping and they're switching their money to they're focusing so much on what to do with their assets. What they don't realize is they don't you don't have any assets except your time. You can worry about your gold and your silver and investing yourself in certain markets and blah 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 and you can get all the water and all the food that you want. You go right ahead. And I, I'm not saying don't do it. You go for it, man. I am virtually not in that position. I don't have a, a, a I don't have any resources like that. So I don't have the luxury of like building a temporary kingdom here on earth. I don't have that luxury. So I don't even care. Like, it is what it is. And what I've realized is that I have never been called to go put my head in a, under a rock and hide in a, in a, in a cave. I've, God has never told me, go hide in a cave. I cannot find in the Bible where it says that I should go hide in a cave and do that. As a matter of fact, I see just the opposite. The Lord says, like, look at how I clothe the lilies of the field. Right, and look at how I take care of these days. Not one hair on your head, and all that business. You think I'm going to waste my time? I, listen, I don't, not only don't I have the resources to do it, but the only thing that if the Lord suddenly said, "Here, here's a ton of money, go do something," yeah, I would get out of here. It's really clear to me, and I'm not saying that it should be clear to you, but it's pretty clear, really clear to me that we're Babylon, and that the Lord's going to take this country down. Right, judgment is coming to this country. I don't have any doubt in that. I see it happening already. So that's one thing I would do. If I had resources, I would get out of here because Obama's going to shut the doors, and we're not. You think these people are massing on the southern border, the, the, this little Jade Helm thing, to keep people from coming in? No, they're they're doing this to keep people from leaving. They're, they want, listen, they don't want anything to do with us. It's globalists, and you can believe what you want and say, oh, that would never happen. But yes, it would, and it is. So for those of you who are saying, oh, well, there's too many people in a conspiracy to keep it a secret, no, there's not. That's naivete. Naivete. That's naivete. So I see what I see, and I know what I know. And this is what's coming. Ready? Here it comes. Listen to this. This is awesome. You can all expect this. Oh, my God. 
Oh, that's where we're at, folks. That's where we're at. You like that? I put that together last couple weeks ago. Right? You hear the footsteps? Jesus is, is, is coming towards the earth right now. He is walking. He's pounding on your door. You hear all those bombs and all the madness going on? Expect that. What are you going to do in those times? Are you going to... Listen, if you're not praising the Lord right now, if you're not depending on the Lord right now, you'll never depend on Him in those times. You better get in right now and seek His face while He can be found right now. You better get under the protection right now. You might think, oh, I'm prepped, man. I got cans of food. Really? Are you sure? I have oil in my lamp. I would take oil in my lamp over cans of food in my in a storage bin any day of the week. And yes, even if we get caught in the place where all the things that you've prepped for and you're prepped for with food and I'm not prepped with food, like I don't even care, dude. Do that. I don't even care. I don't even care because I have oil, right? And the Lord knows everything that I need right now, before I even ask, he knows everything. So you know what I know that I'm going to do? I'm going to scream and praise the Lord right now. I'll worry about those bridges when I got to cross them, and, and it doesn't matter anyway. I don't have the funds, so whatever. Would I put some food away? Yeah, I would. Would I put some water away? Yes, I would. Do I think that's going to matter when this all starts to break out, when the, when the Lord starts kicking these dominoes over? No. No, I don't think, because you know what, you can't carry water with you, okay? You can't carry canned food with you. You know, you might be able to carry a day's, two days worth of stuff with you, but you can't carry it. And nobody's going to be driving around 18 wheelers. And if you think you're going to be stationary, unless you're 4 million feet under the ground within these bunkers, and the Bible says that even they are going to freak out. So fear not. Be You know what the Bible says? Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. I have come to the conclusion that when they come to cut my head off, if that's my fate, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to look at those people. I'm going to say, praise God for you. I read all about this in the Bible. Jesus told me this is going to happen. Bless you. I hope that you see the light. God bless you. I love you. Yes. Yes, that's what I plan on saying if they come and tell me that we're going to cut your head off. Okay, God bless you. I love you. Am I going to fight? You know what? I will fight. Yes, I will fight. Right? I will absolutely fight. But there's a point when you realize, like, you know, this this is what's happening. And Jesus really specifically did say we were going to get put to death, persecuted, put to death. He said all these things. So I'm prepped. And you know what? If you are in that position where they're going to kill you and take your life because of your belief in Jesus, if that doesn't just stiffen your spine and your resolve and and put a cherry on top of what you're supposed to do in those situations, you know, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's nothing left to do but praise the Lord. Are you praising your bank account? Are you praising your preparatory skills? Are you what are you praising? What are your where are your thoughts? Are you thinking about your, your car payment, your rent payment, your new stuff? Are you thinking about going shopping or a pedicure? 
what kind of stupid stuff are you thinking about? I love thinking about stupid stuff, right? My flesh loves it. You know, I can get caught up looking for stupid stuff that I don't even need. I'm not doing that anymore. See, the television, what the television does is the television plants seeds. You can say, oh, well, it does not. And, I, you know, I'm smarter than that. You can think all you want. And you can think all you want that you're smarter than this. And, but if you're sitting in front of the television, listen, I did it. And I'm not judging you. I'm not making any kind of a statement other than it's a waste of your time. You can make your own judgment. What I've realized is that all the shows that I used to love, Family Guy, I really loved Family Guy. I I grew up in that area, and I get all this hidden humor. But you know what? This guy, Seth MacFarlane, he hates God. He's an antichrist. He hates Jesus. They've made gay jokes about Jesus. They've done. They they are just so despicable. And shame on me for you know still wanting to watch that show. Shame on me. And you know what? I don't really watch that show anymore. You know, and I need to be more diligent about not, because it's despicable what this guy says about God and how he portrays God. It is despicable. And it's very rare that he does it, but he does it. You know, and I can think of five examples off the top of my head right now where it's just like, like oh, shame on you, Seth MacFarlane. But, I, but you know, I, li- I do like to, you know, there are times when I think to myself, oh, man, you know, because I'm programmed that way where I, I I should deserve some time out or I need a break or just get my mind off of stuff. And you know what? That is so crazy. I do not need my mind to be off of stuff. I need to be my mind to be on stuff. I need to be on alert. I need to be on red alert all the time. You know, every moment counts, everybody. Do you realize that God... The Bible says that God stores your prayers up in a vial in heaven. You know that? Are you storing up your 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 prayers? Are you? Think about that. Lord, help us to all understand that you are storing up our prayers in a vial, like the Bible says, Lord. God, we just pray that you would help us to number our days in the name of Jesus. Guys, girls, everybody listening, One of the things that I do on a daily basis, and I'm not, listen, if you think, oh, well, you tell me what to do, or you're like telling me how good you are and bragging, I'm not bragging, shut your mouth, I'm not bragging at all, I'm telling you what I do to stay covered and under the blood, because listen, you can say I'm bragging, but listen, you're talking to somebody whose flesh is so strong that it wants to just go out and be debaucherous all the time, so I have to. I have to do this. But I read this gigantic prayer that I've assembled through all of my research and my study of the Psalms and Proverbs. And it starts off with, my Father art in heaven, you know? But literally, in this prayer, and I'm, I'll post it on the website. I will, I'll do that. I'll do that today. I'll post it on the website. And it, you know what? It's already there. So if you search it, morning prayer or something, at www.neptunediaries.com, you can find it. But basically, it's the it's the highlights of the Psalms and Proverbs. You know, for example, uh, Psalm 31, verse 1. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. 
Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Beat down my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me. Did you guys know that there's a net that they've laid privily for you? For thou, you know, they've your enemies have laid a net for you. Lord, pull, pull us out of the net that they have laid privily for us. For thou art our strength. Into thine hand we commit our spirits, Lord. Thou hast redeemed us. Are you kidding? These psalms are so phenomenal. Ready? Psalm 109. Help me, O Lord, my God. O save me according to thy mercy. That they Who's then thy hand that thou, Lord, hast done it? Psalm 118.24. How often do you guys say this? This is the day that the Lord hath made. We rejoice and be glad it. Are you rejoicing and being glad in the day that the Lord has made? How about Psalm 122? This is a new one that I just saw the other day, but I do this on a daily basis. How about you? I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be in thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee because of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek thy good. God, we pray for Jerusalem. Lord, we pray for Israel. We pray for protection. We pray that your will will be done in their lives. Oh, Lord, we pray for the persecuted Christians. Anyway, the point is this, guys. Girls, brothers and sisters, I'm into this. The more I get into it, the deeper it gets and the more it gets, it's taking over. It really is. I mean, it's... Remember in the Matrix when Neo's first going through his little thing where they're going to pull him out? Excuse me, and he touches the mirror and it starts to take over everything and it's like... (gasps) And he's freaking out. Excuse me. Hold on. And he's freaking out and the, the silver liquid's taking him over and he's becoming that... You know, silver liquid is coming up and he can't breathe and he's like, that's what happens on both way, on both sides of this coin that we're talking about. On one side, the devil will come in and take you over. On the other side, the Lord will. See, here's the trick. Ready, folks? We're a container. That's what we are. We're nothing more than a jar of clay. What's in your container? Oh, my goodness. What? What's in your container? Come on. What's in your container? Ask yourself that. What's in your container? Now, let me ask you this. Do you have some sinful crap in that container? Do you think the Holy Spirit is in that container with you and your sinful crap? Ask yourself that. Come on. You can... Oh, man. I don't have any sinful crap because I have Jesus. But you you better get serious about your relationship with the Lord. We can debate all you want. But just remember the Bible. You're debating with the Bible. You're not debating with JD from Neptune Diaries. You're debating with the Bible. You're a jar of clay. You know, you're built to contain a spirit. Which which spirit's in you? Who's your daddy? 
Is it the Lord or is it the devil? It's one or the other. It's one or the other. Make up your mind. You know, and listen, I'm speaking to myself right now. You know what I mean? Because clearly I have issues in my life still. I still hold on to some sinful areas. You know, I do. There are still some things where it's like, you know. Whether you're struggling with drinking or smoking or fornicating or whatever. If you've got sin in your life, man, it's time to put it down. Let the Lord take over everything, every section of your life. It's time. It really is, guys, girls. It's time. T-I-M-E right now. It's time to do this. It's time to get every, to give over every area. You know, this doesn't have to be a long, withdrawn-out process of of going through, like, taking forever. No, the Lord wants you free right now. You know? Right now. You want to be full and whole right now? Ask the Lord right now. Commit to that path. Get on the run. Start walking. Start getting. Get up. See, I'm an excuse maker. I like to make excuses for stuff. I like to give myself and try to find little loopholes. And I'm a loophole finder. That needs to stop. Because it's coming, folks. The time's coming when they're coming to get us. You know, we're going to all be underground at some point. And I don't mean like in caves. I mean, we're not going to... Mark my words. Come this summer when the federal court, the Supreme Court rules that, it, you know, it's discrimination to say that homosexuality, UK, they can't get married and stuff. That's going to open the doors for... They're going to consider... those verses in the Bible hate speech and they're going to demand that we take those verses out or change what it says. They're going to demand it, right? Literally. And the church is going to be like, okay, and you know what? It's going to be a quid pro quo. They will force the Muslims to change their Quran too. And you'll see two factions break out in the church and in the Muslims, where one side, you know, part of us, are, there's no, listen, any Bible-believing Christian who's straight on with the Lord and has a right relationship with God and has the Holy Spirit would never, in a million years, ever stand idly by and let this happen without a fight, right? Never, right? But there's going to be a ton of the church that's be like, fine, we're fine with that. And then the, and there's going to be a bunch of Muslims that will say, yes, cut, take out that smite at the neck verse in the Quran. Take that out, right? We're right behind the rocks or trees or whatever where it says kill the Jews wherever you find them. They'll take that out. And the majority of the Muslim world will be like, yeah, okay, do that. But there'll be a faction of them that won't. And you know what? They're going to come for both of us. They're coming. They're coming. Paul Washer, he says it best. I'm going to, I'm going to take a two-second... Right here and let you listen to this because this is awesome. You're listening to the Neptune Diaries with J.D. Hopwood. Praise the Lord. Worthy is the Lamb.
church in America is going to suffer so terribly. And we laugh now that they will come after us. They will come after our children. They will close the net around us while we are playing soccer mom and soccer dad. While we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets. The net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren. And it does not cause you to fear. You will be isolated from society as has already happened. Anyone who tries to run for office who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. We will be called things that we're not and persecuted not for being followers of Christ but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ which of course is love and tolerance. You'll go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind in history. They've already come after your children, and for most of you, they got them. They got them through the public schools and indoctrination and the university and indoctrination, and then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord, because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little, the net is closing around, and then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks matter of weeks but at the same time know this persecution is always meant for evil but God always means it for good and is it not better to suffer in this life to have an extra weight of glory in heaven you must settle this in your mind this is the one thing I want to say over and over do not Believe Down through history, you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution. You think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That was the real reason, but no one heard that publicly. They were martyred, and they were persecuted as enemies of the state, as child molesters, as bigots as narrow-minded, stupid people who had fallen for a ruse and can contribute nothing to society. Your suffering will not be noble. So your mind must be filled with the Word of God when all people persecute you and turn on you. And if the Spirit of God in common grace pulls back and you see even your children and your grandchildren tossing in the lot that you should die. This is no game. You want revival and awakening, but know this. For the most part, great awakenings have come only preceding great national catastrophes or the persecution of the church. I believe God is bringing a great awakening, but I believe that He is raising up young men who are strong in trust in the providence of God to be able to wade through the hell that's going to break loose on us. And it will be on us before we even recognize it. Unless, unless in God's providence, He is not done. He is not done. And note, this is, this is not silly talk. Apart from a great awakening, these things are going to come upon you. Be ready to lose your homes, your cars, and everything. Open your eyes. Open your
I couldn't have said any, that any better myself. They're coming for us. If you don't see that right now, if you can't see what's going on in the news right now, they are coming for us. It will be an all-out assault on all-out assault on the Christian church. It is coming. We are, you know what? We're already here, and we just don't want to realize it yet because we're too fat, we're too comfortable. And you know what? I have news for you, everybody. Your days of being comfortable are about over. Your days of of your biggest worry is being what time you're going to get Sally to soccer practice are about up. Your whole understanding of everything is about to get turned on its head. Every single thing in this world. You think you know what's up? You don't know anything. Not even those of us who are really into prophecy fully understand the breadth and width of what's coming our way. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. I'm going to read it to you, the King James Version. It says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You know, you can look at that verse a few different ways. You can look at it from the 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 perspective. You, can look, you certainly can look at it that way if you want. You can look at it from the Isaiah 64 perspective. You can look at it that way. This is what Isaiah 64 says. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth. The fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down the mountains flowed at thy presence for since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by the ear nor neither neither hath the eye seen O God beside thee what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him see in Paul Paul's little 1 Corinthians chapter 2 9 it sort of that verse, everybody's always quoted it to me, is, yay, we've got mansions, and yay. See, I, I don't, I'm not there anymore with that one. I'm more at the whole, wow, terrible things. I'm looking at more mountains flowing down at his presence. I'm looking at that Lord rending the heavens. Do you have any idea what it's going to be like when the Lord rends the heavens and comes down? What do you think mighty mountains might flow at his presence means? Does it sound like volcanoes erupting to you? Because verse 2, it says, as when the melting fire burneth, right? The fire causeth the waters to boil. Hello? McFly, are you listening? Do you even read the Bible? Ever? Do you ask the Lord to help you to understand? Honest. 
we are so slothfully lazy as Christians, it's disgusting. Me in particular, I'm the worst. I spent decades not researching this stuff, knowing that I should. It was always there as a bucket list. Now I see. And oh my goodness, do you know how many people I've come in contact with that I didn't share the gospel with? I mean, I've shared it with just about tons. But always from a standpoint of like, you know, hey man, Jesus is coming, let's smoke a dube and chill, man, and let's go party. You know? Are you kidding? No, I... Ready? This is Isaiah's version. Oh, that thou would rend the heavens, that thou would come as down, that would has come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we look not for, are you looking for them? We not we're not looking. It says it right here. For thou camest down the mountains flowed at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Ready? Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth. For we have sinned, and those is continuance, and we shall be saved. Do you see that? Though thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Ready? Those that remember thee in thy ways. Okay? Next. Behold, thou art wroth. For we have sinned, we have sinned. Ready? In in those is continuance, and we shall be saved. What do you think in those is continuance? Ready? Verse 6, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. Uh, That does not apply to me, guys and girls. I am calling upon his name. I have stirred up myself to take hold of God. For thou, ready? For thou hast hid thy face from us and has consumed us because of our iniquities. You see that? If you're not stirring yourself up to take hold of God, God will hide his face from you. He'll consume you because of your iniquities. It's right here. Argue with Isaiah. Argue with God. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We, ready? Oh my goodness. I love when the Lord just told, oh, this is so unexpected. That it's tying in right here. You think I might have planned this, but I didn't. Ready? Love this. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and thou art potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. Do you realize that I didn't have any intention of going to Isaiah 64 without right here, right now? And under, I didn't, I didn't really get that far. I had stopped when I had tied this verse in in my little description for the show. I didn't even see this. Isn't that funny? We are the clay, thou, and he is our potter. Ready? Verse 9. Be not wroth very sore, O Lord, 
Neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee. We are thy people. All, we are all thy people. Thy holy city are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. That's what you guys can all look forward to. That's what's coming. Our holy and our beautiful house, where our... where our fathers praise thee is burned up with fire and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt thou refrain thyself for these things, O Lord? Wilt thou hold thy door? I love prophecy. I love seeing things new in new light. I love understanding, especially dual fulfillment prophecies like this. Most Christians today, they don't fully understand that Israel is going to be totally trodden under. Everyone thinks, oh, God's saved Israel. You have no idea. It says that two-thirds of Israel is going to die. What are you, is your faith going to be shaken when that happens? Or are you going to see, I'll see the power of God in that. I understand that. Do you understand that it's not it's not the American government who raised ISIS up? It's not the American government. It's not Obama who's doing this stuff. It's God. You can say, oh, well, God would never do that. Really? Are you sure? Go. You better go back and read. God raises up his sword, man. Are you kidding? God's doing this. Maybe you don't want to believe in the God of the Bible. Maybe you don't understand. I understand. God is behind all of this. Oh, you're telling me that God is sending ISIS? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. He's judgment. How do you think God sends judgment? Go look. It, sa- it says it, man. Go look. Go read the Old Testament. Ah! You got to go read it. You got to go read it. You got to go do your own research, you know? You can't take what I'm what I say. Don't take what I say. Don't take what I say for 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 gospel. Go read the gospel yourself. Go read go read the Bible. Turn off your television. Turn it off. I'm serious. You're so polluting yourself. Turn off your television and turn on your Bible. You guys got to get mad as hell and go to and scream and say I'm not going to take this anymore. You're taking it. You're getting smoked. The devil is smoking you. He's smoking you. Do you get it? You're being smoked by the devil. He's literally sifting you, and you are letting it happen. He has no authority over you, everybody. He has no authority over you whatsoever. Are you letting him have authority in your life? Are you giving him a foothold? See, I'm learning right now. I'm talking to myself. Right, you you know you guys may be listening, but I'm actually teaching. The Lord's teaching me right now. He's talking to me. He's he's screaming in my ear about the. He's showing me footholds right now that I still have open in my life that I need to deal with right now. Praise the Lord. Are you guys going to be a difference maker today? Are you going to go out and tell people about Jesus? Are you going to confess that He's Lord to the world? Are you going to be out there in the congregation? You know. In the cloud of witnesses, since we're surrounded by them, are you going to get out there and praise the Lord? Are you going to confess him before men? If you do that, he'll confess you before the Father. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I think that's fantastic. 
I love that. If you're out there and you're listening right now and you don't know Jesus Christ and you want to get saved, ask him into your heart right now. Say, Lord, I re- I ask you right now in the name of Jesus, I, I, I come before you on bended knee, Lord, and, and I believe that you are the Son of God and that God sent you here because he so loved me in the world that he would send you so that if I believed on you and I believed in you and I believed that you came and took my sin and died and rose again, you paid my penalty and that I believe that you saved me from my sin, if I believe in my heart, if I confess with my mouth, if I repent of my sin, Father God, I just come before you and I ask for your forgiveness and I accept your forgiveness, Lord. Father God, come into my life. Change my heart. Lord, give me the strength to run the race. Lord, be here for me, all you, all the time, Father God. Lord, help me to be a beacon of light to this dark, dark world. I ask this, believe for this, and receive this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you just prayed this, God, if you just prayed that prayer, God bless you. God bless you. Send me an email at jd at neptunediaries.com. Tell me about your story. Tell me a story. Let's pray together. Brothers and sisters, let's pray together. Let's pray for our healing. Let's do that. You know, if you're a Christian out there, you're struggling with addiction, whether it's pornography or whatever, just lay it down. God bless you guys. I love you. Lay lay your stuff down at the cross. Lay it all down. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Love you. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, bless these people in the name of Jesus. We ask, believe, and receive. Amen. God bless
Come lay on down Come lay on down Come lay on down Come lay on down 